It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? amen? You guys can have a seat, you guys can have a seat. Man, I'm fired up this morning. Are you guys excited to be here today? Come on. Man, I'm telling, I, I, I got to remind you, I got to remind you, I know we're forgetful. Anybody forgetful a little bit? Come on, anybody a little forgetful? Anybody not remember things like they once did? Anybody lose something this week? Lose your keys, lose your phone, lose your mind? Anybody? Am I preaching to somebody yet? Come on. Now, I, I got to bring to account, I got to bring to account this morning because the thing I find we forget the most is who we used to be. We forget where God has brought us from. We forget how God is at work changing our lives. We forget how lost we once were. Is there anybody out there who once was really lost and really broken and really alone? Man, I'm telling you, like, we forget and we forget and we forget. And sometimes it's good just to pause and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the older I get, the more I thank God for the boring days. Now, young people don't understand that. They're just like, oh, I just want some excitement. But when you get older, you're like, please, no more excitement. I don't need more crisis and chaos and sickness and hardship. Would you just give me a boring day with the Lord? Just rejoicing in the health I have in this moment. Rejoicing that, man, I'm going to eat today. Rejoicing that I got a roof over my head. I got shoes on my feet. Man, I'm still moving. I'm still walking. Come on, somebody. Man, I, I know we all complain when things are hard, but man, it, God's kind of got a lousy job, doesn't he? I mean, we complain when things aren't good and we never thank him when they're okay. Man, if we could just thank him and thank him and thank him. God, thank you that there's gas in my tank. Thank you that I got a job. Thank you, Lord, that I got a paycheck. Thank you, God, that I got kids. Remember those kids you cried out to God for and now you're complaining about? Man, if we can just thank God for his faithfulness. He is a faithful God. He is faithful from generation to generation. He is true to his word. He does not change. He is not intimidated. He is not afraid. Man, he's not up in heaven saying, what am I going to do with Minneapolis? He's not up in heaven saying, these politics are driving me crazy. He's not up in heaven saying, vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask. He's not up in heaven freaking out. So I want to remind you, church, that neither should you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to plug back into where you were actually created to receive your power. I mean, can you imagine trying to plug your phone in to like, I don't know, you try to like plug your phone in, you're like, I put it in the fridge, why isn't it working? You take it and you're like, I put it under the faucet, why isn't it working? Let's say your phone was made to receive power from one source. If you try to bring it to other sources, it don't work. 
We got a bunch of people down here on earth trying to find their power, trying to find their fulfillment from all the wrong places, and then complaining, why am I not happy? You know why you're not happy? Because you were not supposed to find your truth from Facebook commentary. You were not supposed to find your hope from cable news. You were not supposed to find your hope by how the crime rate ups and downs and whatever. Listen, you have a source of power and hope and freedom and deliverance. I'm excited. Are you guys, are you with me this morning? Is anybody with me? Because I got to tell you, man, if the choir ain't got the fire, it can't get into the pews. So I need some fire this morning. Come on. Man, there's some people, it's so good you're here. Some people are in the house this morning, ain't been to church for a little while. And I want to say, man, you came to the right place. You are loved here. You are welcomed here. There's a second chance here, and a fifth chance here, and a 75th chance here. I don't care how many chances you've been on, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of miracles. Today is the day of victory. Today is the day of healing. God is on the throne and he is at work this morning. Is there anybody in the house that believes it? Man, I want to encourage you this morning that all of this chaos, all of this madness, this is a divine gift. You say, what are you talking about? How could you speak such words in the midst of such chaos? Well, I want to tell you, anybody who's been through a hard time, the older you get, the more you look back at those hard times. You're like, man, I would never want to go through it again. But that was the moment that changed my life. It took me getting to rock bottom for me to realize that there's only one rock. It took me going through some wilderness seasons. It took me being peeled back all of the things I was placing my hope in for me to realize where hope is actually found. And I'm telling you that there's a a divine shaking happening where God is stripping back all this misplaced hope, all this misplaced trust, all this misplaced allegiance, all this misplaced affection. And man, I want to tell you, man, I know there's all sorts of cries for solutions. The solution is voting for this man or this woman. The solution is justice this way or that way. The solution is this vaccine or not that vaccine. The solution is this or that or the other. I tell people, it's like everybody's an expert and nobody knows what they're talking about. (laughs) But I want to tell you this. That until we experience the supernatural change of God, ain't nothing changing on these streets. And man, all of us have come to the house of God this morning with some needs, am I right? I don't think anybody came here saying, you know what, I got it all together. No, we're here because we need the one who has it all together. We need to be reminded who's on the throne. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15. 
And as you open up your Bibles with me, I want to give you some, some news, some excitement. And Pastor Mac has already talked about this, but man, I believe this is a great harvest season. I believe this is a great unity season. I believe this is a great healing season. I believe that the church is rising up. And I believe that there is a great declaration and marriage of righteousness and justice that God wants to bring about on the earth today. And so the people of God need to rise up. And I want to remind us, church, that the thing withholding the blessing of God, as you read the pages of Scripture, it very rarely has to do with how the sinners are sinning. But it has to do with how the called are not trusting, are not seeking. You see, when God brings revival, it doesn't begin in everybody else's house. It begins in the church house. And so, man, we got to get our hearts right. We got to come back to our first love. We got to put down our stones, our judgment, our hate, our division, our, man, conspiracies. And we got to come back to the cross and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, change us. Jesus, start here. Because, man, in your life, the first person who needs Jesus is always you. Every time I give the gospel, every time I invite people to come forward, I am the first one on the altar. I don't preach the gospel because I got it all figured out. I preach the gospel because I need it. Every day I need it. Every minute I need it. Because, man, I am prone to wander. Anybody else prone to wander? Prone to wander. Listen, I want to remind you, I want to encourage you this morning. You and I may be prone to wander, but Jesus is prone to rescue. He's prone to find you. He's prone to seek you out. He's prone to help you. He's prone to lift you up and remind you who you are. So this Thursday, we're gathering downtown. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. It's a National Day of Prayer. I don't even know what that means. How could there possibly be a National Day of Prayer where about 70 years ago, leaders in the government declared that the first Thursday of May is a day that they ask Americans to pray for God to move in our land. Now you may say, do any current leaders actually ask for that? I don't know the answer to that. All I know is it still is a sanctioned day, and man, so we're going to take every loophole we got and claim it in Jesus' name. And here's the thing. A lot of people, I work downtown, a lot of people haven't been in the city for a long time. People have been avoiding the city at all costs. People moving out of the city. People wanting to get out of the city. People are moving to Texas. Florida, anywhere, get me out of here. But I want to tell you who hasn't moved out of the city. I want to tell you who's at work in the city. I want to remind you who is close to the weary and brokenhearted. I want to remind you that where people are crying out for help, that is where God is. Man, Pastor Lynn said it in the last service. The biggest enemy of revival is our contentment. It's our complacency. It's our, we're fine. Man, we need some holy discontent. 
We need some holy, man, God, this is not okay. And we're going to stand down here and we're going to contend and we're going to wrestle and we're not going to give up until we get the blessing, God. Man, we got too many weak Christians down here who aren't willing to go to war. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle of righteousness, getting on our face and saying, God, we need you down here. And so this Thursday at 6 o'clock, we're inviting the Church of the Twin Cities to meet us at North Central University. You got a flyer, there's details online, and we're going to march through the streets of downtown like Joshua and the troops going around Jericho. And we're going to worship, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask for God to move. And I want to tell you, church, that you may be afraid of what's going on in downtown, and people across the country are looking about what's going on in Minneapolis, but I want to tell you that God has set up an amazing opportunity. I'm telling you, all of this is because he wants to show off. But man, it's time for you to put aside your fear, your selfishness, your comfort, and put feet to your faith. I'm challenging you to get your kids and come downtown. Grab your granny, come downtown. Fill up your car. Anybody who wants to come, we're going to be downtown. You know what we're going to do downtown? We're going to stand in the heart of Minneapolis and we're going to declare God lives here. God lives here. God lives here. We're going to march, and then we're going to gather outside of one of the most historic churches in downtown, and we're going to fill the streets with praise. And I'm telling you, there's some young, radical teenagers and college kids. They're going to get on the mic. They're going to pray down heaven. I don't even know what they're going to say. These young people, they wild. But how many of you guys know it's time for the young people to start to stand? Man, we're praying and we're believing God for some supernatural things, for some salvation, for some deliverance, and some breakthrough. I don't want you to miss it. Six o'clock prayer walk, seven o'clock we're going to be at First Baptist. There's free parking right outside First Baptist. You can come and join us. I think they're trying to rally some buses from the church. If you want to join, it's game on. It's game on. Let's pray as we get into the word. Lord, we ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to ignite the pages of Scripture to bring about change in our life. We know that your word does not return void. God, we have come to this place because we need a touch from you. We are not here to play church. We are not here to play a game. We are not here to be a part of a club. We are here to know and follow Jesus. And so we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to bring conviction of sin and selfishness. And God, that you would bring about the power to change, God, because we can't do this without you. God, would you welcome us into the mission that you are bringing about on earth in this hour. And would this be a moment where we enlist, where we sign up again, where we we recommit our lives. God, I pray that at the end of this service, the altars would be filled as people are brought to a place of encounter with you.
that would change us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Luke 15, Luke 15, we're going to look at this passage. I love Luke 15. It's got to be my favorite chapter in the Bible because in Luke 15 we see God's heart. Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories, lost sheep, lost coin, we call it the lost son. It'd be more appropriate, instead of calling it the parable of the lost son, we would be better off calling it the parable of the incredible father and the two lost sons, because there's two lost sons in that parable, older brother, religious, judgmental, younger brother, prodigal, prodigal lost. These three parables, though, are incredible. They show us the heart of God. There's two purposes for them. One is to convict us when we get stuck in a seat of judgment, condemning lost people. Two is to remind us that if we are Jesus' disciples, that we are called to join this mission. And if I was to add a third, it is to remind all of us that when we are lost, when we are wayward, when we are broken, that our God is a God of mercy and compassion and that he is after us. And so I want to remind you this morning, if you came to church knowing that change needs to happen in your life, that God is a God of compassion and mercy and he is after you, he is pursuing you, he loves you, he welcomes you, and he's calling you this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so if you're here and you're stuck in sin, you're stuck in addiction, you're stuck with a judgmental spirit, you have come to the right place. God does not stand before you saying, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. He says, now is the moment of change. Now is the moment of forgiveness. Now is the moment of breakthrough. Some of you guys came in here and you're disillusioned by the church. You're disillusioned by American Christianity. You've read your Bible and said, man, why does my life not look more like the pages of Scripture? And I want to tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to join you, fill you, empower you, so that those pages can come alive through your life. Luke 15, let's read it together. Verse 1 says the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. I love that first verse. Tax collectors and sinners gathering with Jesus. Anybody love that Jesus is always with the broken people? I love that. We love that. We love to read about that. We don't necessarily want to do that. But we love the idea of that. Jesus, I love you with broken people, but also I kind of like to judge those broken people. Can we just be real for a sec? I tell people my favorite thing about Christianity is also my least favorite thing about Christianity. I don't want you to miss this. My favorite thing about Christianity is that Jesus welcomes everyone, even people like me. Anybody thankful that Jesus welcomes you? Man, every time I say that, I want to sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. 
Anybody thankful for the amazing grace of the gospel? It's an amazing grace. It's my favorite thing about knowing Jesus that he welcomes everybody, even people like me. Come on, somebody. But it's also my least favorite thing about Christianity, that Jesus welcomes everybody, even people like them. You know those people who vote differently than you? He welcomes them. You know those people who think love and marriage differently than you? He welcomes them. You know those people who stand on the opposite side of your view of justice and what's happening in the streets? He welcomes them. You know those people who don't believe in God and think Christians are fools? He welcomes them. You know those people who bow in mosques, worshiping the wrong God, tricked in their ways, confused? He welcomes them. You know those people who are murderers and adulterers and prostitutes and tax collectors? So if he welcomes them, then why don't we? Because I got to be real for a minute. I've been on social media. Some Christians saying some pretty nasty things. I mean, I just read the comments on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes I just weep. People saying the worst things to each other, things you would never say to a person's face. You go in their bio and, oh, I love Jesus. Come on, man. man. Don't be posting that stuff. Man, if you're not posting a Bible verse or pointing somebody to Jesus, then just shut your mouth. And I got to be real, we as a church are some of the worst offenders. Pointing the finger, judging. Oh, those people, can't believe those people doing those things. Come on. Do we know Jesus or not? Have we been forgiven or not? Sometimes I think God looks at us and says, hey, How do you want me to treat them? How would you want me to treat you? Like somehow we want to pass from God, but we want him to really get those people. I mean, we're thinking crazy. Jesus tells us these parables to remind us the radical love of God. Seeking and saving and pursuing and loving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Jesus, how many times should we forgive? You mean like seven times? Man, this story's as old as the Bible. Religious, judgmental people and one guy who welcomes everybody and they kill him for it. Jesus says, This is the heart of the Father. He says, I want you to hear this. Verse 2, he says, the Pharisees and teachers are there muttering. This man welcomes sinners, 
eats with them, has fellowship with them. This guy's hanging out with messed up people. So Jesus tells this parable, and he's got two audiences here. One audience is for those that know that they need Jesus. They're the sinners. They need help. That's why they've come. The other audience, religious, judgmental people, standing in a seat of judgment. Jesus says, I want to tell you about the heart of, of my daddy. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Does not he leave the 99 in open country? Say open country. Now in the city, we don't even know what open country is. That does not mean the lot that's empty next to your house, okay? I'm from North Dakota. Open country means open country. Jesus says, would not that shepherd leave the 99 sheep in the middle of a field with no boundaries and nothing around? The answer is actually to this question, no. You wouldn't do that. That'd be crazy because instead of losing one sheep, now you'd lose 15 sheep because sheep are dumb. You don't leave a sheep. You, you give them to your neighbor, you put them in a fence, and then you go find. All of this is trying to drive home God's crazy heart for lost things. Amen. Doesn't he leave the 99 open country and then go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, doesn't he put it on his shoulders and go home? And when he gets home... Doesn't he yell to his neighbors and friends and say, hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Again, we read this, we don't understand it. This is the equivalent of you this afternoon getting home, binge watching Netflix, not finding your remote, panicking, where's the remote, where's the remote, where's, anybody ever been there? Come on, somebody. Where's the remote? Where's my phone? Where's my keys? Anybody ever search for their phone while you're holding it? Where is that phone? Where? Where I know I put it somewhere. You know, I mean, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's the middle of the night. You got Cheetos all over your, your side of your mouth. You know, you just ordered that pizza you shouldn't have eaten. You're just sitting there. It's asking, are you still watching? You're like, stop asking. <laughs> Can't find the remote. You're in a panic. You find it. It's like buried beneath four wrappers. And you run outside, you say, everybody, everybody, everybody. Everybody's like, what's going on? And it's Nick in the middle of the road. You guys, I found my remote. <laughs> Woo. People be like, we're moving. <laughs> we are moving. I don't care how much it costs, we got to get out of here quick. This man is crazy. Jesus is driving home a point. This is a crazy kind of love, a crazy kind of joy, a crazy kind of pursuit, a crazy kind of prioritization of lost things that makes no sense unless you understand the heart of the Father who is seeking and saving, and loving, and redeeming. Jesus says, in the same way I tell you that there's more rejoicing in heaven for one lost sinner than over 99 righteous. We could be singing in perfect harmony in this church. Righteous people worshiping God. 
thinking, man, this is amazing. And man, I just get so convicted that we as Christians, we just love to be with other Christians. We're like, oh, this is so great being with other Christians. Oh, I just love being with other Christians. This is the best. Oh, it feels so good to be with people just like me who think just like me. I love being with people like me because I'm so awesome. And it's just like we're worshiping worship. We're worshiping goosebumps. We're worshiping emotion. We're worshiping feelings. People worship even this book. Some of the meanest people I know love this book. Some of the meanest people I know love to worship. You know how you know you've been worshiping Jesus? You act like him. If you get done worshiping, you're going out and being rude. Who you been worshiping? I got to warn somebody. Listen, there's a whole bunch of people in the American church that have been worshiping this white-looking, blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude who makes them think, be happy, do your thing. God loves you. And they're going to love that guy straight to hell. I'm just telling you, Jesus changes everything. You don't love that guy and not love those people. If you love that guy and hate those people, you ain't loving that guy. And I'm telling you, this isn't a, that's true for them. That's a, oh, Lordy. That's a gulp. Help me, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Jesus says there's more rejoicing, there's more glory, there's more power. So i got to ask you, church, if there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one lost, then why do we spend so much time focused on the 99? Why do we spend so much time thinking about ourselves? Why do we spend so much time thinking about our own safety, self-preservation, comfort, patting our cushion, making our lives better when they're suffering all the way to hell? Three questions I want to ask you and challenges for you as you're thinking about leaving the 99 to join Jesus in his mission. Number one, leaving the 99 means a reset of your hearing. 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 I'm wondering, do you hear me? Because some of us ain't been hearing the Lord. We're not listening for his voice. We've been content hearing voices that make us comfortable. We're not listening. We're not hearing. People are hurting, and we don't hear them. I want to tell you, the most missing element to reach the Twin Cities to reach your workplace, to reach your kids, to reach this generation has nothing to do with the words you need to say and everything to do with the fact that they need to feel heard. We are not listening. When's the last time you felt heard? When's the last time you felt like, wow, they are really hearing me? Can you think of what it feels like to feel heard? When you feel like, wow, they care. This person isn't just listening to me, they hear me. People today are lonelier than they've ever been, more isolated than they've ever been, 
more depressed than they've ever been, more suicidal than they've ever been, more divided than they've ever been, more confused than they've ever been. And I'm just asking, is there a church willing to slow down to see them, to tell them that they matter? And some of you are here this morning, and I want you to know this message isn't for you to go do. This is for you to know that God sees you. Because until you realize that he sees you and he hears you, then you can't see others and you can't hear others. When you encounter Jesus who seeks and saves you, because the good news in this passage is that we are that lost sheep. That's why we got to come back to that amazing grace. That's why I got to remember how much I've been saved from. The more I remember that, the more I'm able to carry that heart to others. Some of us, though, we're too busy. We're just too busy. I don't even see that person at the gas station. I just want them to give me my receipt. I'm in a hurry. I don't even see that person at that coffee shop. People all around us, searching, hurting, longing. You know, great example of this. Two weeks ago, I was in Arizona. Server's there. She's all, you know, hippie, piercings, tattoos, angry at the world. And every time she comes to the table, I'm like, hey, how are you? How's your day? What's your name? Tell me your story. And like after like five times, she's like, wow, this guy actually like is, is caring. And finally, she's just like, oh, I had to get done. I just couldn't wait to come back. And I'm like, you know, tell me what's your deal? What's your story? I can tell like there's just a lot of positive energy I'm getting from you. And she's like, oh, you noticed. And I was like, she's like, yeah, I'm really spiritual. And I've really been seeking out a higher power. And I've really been feeling like the, the spirits are speaking to me and moving. And she's like, and I've just been asking questions about the things of this life. And I'm just like, man, this is, I'm so, that's so amazing. You're super impressive. Do you know that? That you're asking these questions? That is so amazing for a person at your age. And she's like, wow, thank you. And I'm like, can I tell you something? And she says, please. I mean, the woman is saying, please. And I'm like, I got to tell you, I'm really spiritual too. She said, wow, I knew that the energies were connecting us. I said, I got to tell you, there's something I've learned. This is the biggest secret you can learn about spiritual things. She's like, tell me. She like really is like puts down the bill. She's like all in. I'm like, there's something about the name of Jesus. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. If you get a hold of a Bible and you start to read through the Gospels, it's the first four books of the New Testament. If you start to seek after Jesus, you will find what you're looking for. She's like, I promise I'm going to do it. She's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, keep saying it, girl. People all around you. Number two, leaving the 99 means a reset of your comfort. Means a reset of your comfort. Step one of resetting your comfort is getting your tail downtown on Thursday. You say, Nick, why do you say comfort? I say comfort because y'all been playing it safe. You can't play it safe 
while you walk by faith. We think safety is such a good thing. Safety is not in the Bible. Jesus never said, go therefore into the world and play it safe. I got to remind you, church, you are following a guy who went to a cross. I mean, this is a life and death mission. This is a heaven and hell mission. The stakes could not be higher. And if I could put on my salesman hat just for a second and pretend I'm a used car salesman. I want to tell you the time has never been better to get in on this investment. I want to tell you there's never been more lost people who need Jesus. I want to tell you the returns are out of this world, my friend. If you sign up today, I don't know what I got to say to motivate somebody that now is the time. Come on. Jesus said it. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are He said, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers. You know, this last week I was in New England. I was gathering where these young people were gathered for revival and prayer and seeking God. And there was a meeting in the early 1900s. And these young men and women, they signed their lives away as 20-year-olds. They literally formed a contract and said, we're going to give our lives for the gospel. And then they proceeded to pack their belongings. A lot of them packed their belongings in caskets because they thought and knew they probably weren't going to make it. They brought the gospel around the world. It was one of the largest missionary movements in American history. Why? Because they had encountered Jesus and they had to run after the lost sheep. Until you are willing to join Jesus pursuing lost things, you have not encountered Jesus. It is not okay. And I know some of you never heard this probably. You've grown up in a church and they just were content if you gave your money and sang your song. But I want to tell you that you are the answer to God's heart for your friends. God's not going to send your pastor to their door. God's not going to send your pastor to your family dinner. But he sent you. And until you wake up and open your eyes and say, God, you can use me. Until you say, God, man, I don't got much. But here it is. I got some loaves and fish. I got a broken story. I come from a rough past. Man, I want to remind you, there's a whole book of people just like you. We like to think this book is full of all these amazing heroes of the Bible. I'll tell you, man, there's a bunch of messed up people in this book. Sinners and murderers and adulterers and hypocrites. Horrible people changed by God who he uses. Somebody say, that sounds like me. Number three point, and we're going to wrap Leaving the 99 means resetting your tribe. Resetting your tribe. 
resetting your tribe. Those people you used to judge, your heart changes to your saying, man, those are my people. I told you guys a couple times before, I was running in downtown Minneapolis. I was going to get a haircut. My barber was closed. And that was like a first world emergency when you need a good fade and your hair shop is shut down. It's like, that's a real, why God? You know, it's like, that's as hard as it gets for some of us. And I was running home and I saw this barber pole and I turned in. It was all Arabic on the walls and all Middle Eastern men. And I was like, heck no, I kept running. Let me tell you, that was not the voice of the Holy Spirit leading me to run. That was the voice of the shows I was watching on cable television, giving me stereotypes and a racist spirit. And as I'm literally running away, the Holy Spirit starts whispering to me, hey, hey, big shot evangelist. How's it going loving lost people? I didn't give you a spirit of fear, Nick. I've called you to go to whoever I send you. Tell them whatever I call you to say. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Turned around, went back into that barber shop. Man, I've been going to that barber shop for the last seven, eight years. I mean, there's, there's not many white folk in my barber shop. They're all speaking in Arabic. I don't know what they're saying about me, but I know what I'm telling them. My barber, Ahmed, every time I come in, he says he loves me, gives me a hug. When COVID hit, he was the first person I called. I said, Ahmed, how's your family? Are you guys okay? Can we get you some support? Are you going to be in need? Ahmed said, Nick, I now know I'm not alone in America but I have a brother here. I have family here. When I finally got to go back to my barber shop, I bought a scissors for him. This is the nicest looking scissors I could find. Gonna be honest, that was cheap. I gave Ahmed the scissors. He held it to his heart and said, Nick, this is the nicest gift anybody's ever given me. Said, I will be buried with these scissors. In my mind, I'm thinking, you should've got the nicer scissors. Some made in China scissors. I don't know if they even. And that's no shot at China. I got a ton of stuff that's great that's made in China. But I'm just saying, I'm mad. He still doesn't know Jesus. But man, I'm with Jesus seeking him out. And I'm crying for his family. And I'm crying for his mosque. And I'm crying for those people. You know why? Because they don't know any better. I just want to remind you, church, those people you've been judging, they don't know any better. You know why they're at the club? You know why they're shooting up? You know why they're messing around? Because nobody has told them another way. Nobody has loved them and heard them and seen them and said, hey, there is more for you. And you know what God's answer to that problem is? It's us. I know. It's like, God, really? Is this a joke? Me? Yeah, you. And when I use you, everybody's going to know that was me. I'm going to kill the lights. 
I want you to see this illustration. I want to show you a couple pictures quick with the lights off. We had an Easter outreach. These are pictures of people around the world hearing the gospel. India, Africa, beauty salons, gospel going forward. People coming to Jesus. You guys are hearing the reports of India. 400,000 COVID cases a day, thousands of people dying, running out of oxygen. People are in quarantine in their homes, and the gospel is going forward. This outreach, because of these times, I want you to see the responses to the gospel. This is how many people watched the broadcast and how many people came to Christ. 1,149,000 people responding to the gospel in the course of a few days. I show you that, that you would know that God is at work with or without you. You see, the goal of the Christian faith is that you would begin to fade away. Like John the Baptist, you say, I must decrease and he must increase. You say, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. This is God's work. Saving me, setting me free, delivering me. God, you've given me a new song. You put a new song in my heart, God. And I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful, God, for you rescuing me. And the more you get close to Jesus, the more you see his heart for lost things. And the more you realize you can't keep it to yourself any longer. And so you start to join him as he's out seeking for those lost things. You say, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Man, there's people in the Twin Cities right now, and they're literally on the brink of suicide. They're about to quit. There's people in the Twin Cities right now that are so fed up. They just want to go kill somebody. And there's people in the Twin Cities that are addicted and struggling and stuck. And these people aren't far from you. They are your neighbors. They are your classmates and coworkers. And we get to stand and say, where are you? Jesus loves you. He died for you. There's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. Man, we're coming for you. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. And we're down here as a church saying, God, we need you down here. We need you down here, God. We are too selfish, God. We are too self-centered, God. And Lord, we are repenting this morning. We are repenting this morning, God. I repent this morning. If you're here this morning and you're one of those lost sheep and you're like, man, if God loves me that much, I'm done out here in the fields. I'm done being alone. I want you to come down front right now. I'm going to start to bring the lights up. And if you're here this morning and you're one of those that knows Jesus, but you have not been joining him seeking the lost, your heart has not been reaching them and loving them and making time for them. I want to invite you down to the altar this morning and you're coming down just to say, God, I don't want to live for myself. 
We're standing for our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters. If that's you, I want you to come down front right now. And you're just saying, God, would you forgive me? Would you set me free? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I want to tell you that there's a second chance. There's a new anointing. There's power this morning in the gospel for you. You're coming saying, God, would you break my heart for what's on your heart, God? You're coming this morning saying, man, I'm done. I'm done living for selfish things. I'm done seeing people thinking less of them instead of loving them. You're saying, I can't do this, but God, I believe you can do this. Unless God moves, we got nothing. And sometimes it takes being brought face to face with your brokenness for things to change. There is no breakthrough without breaking. Some of you need to say, God, make me desperate. Make me desperate, God. God, we're praying this morning, God, that you would forgive us. God, we're asking you to download your heart into our hearts. I want everybody to stretch your hands to heaven and just saying, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Change my heart. Help me to love like you love. Help me to see like you see. Forgive me for being so busy, so self-centered. I want to be a part of your work. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross on a rescue mission for me. Thank you for saving me for putting a new song in my mouth. I believe you're alive. Lead my life. I am not my own. I'm going to invite Mac to come on up. I just want to pray real quick just for a a commissioning. I believe this is a commissioning moment. I believe there's people here standing at the altar right now that God is going to send and that there's lives that are going to be changed. There's breakthrough that's going to happen because you're standing here. People are going to experience the grace of God. You are joining the work of God being sent out into the highways and the byways. And there's people that are going to be standing next to you in the weeks to come in this building. 
because you were sent and because you refused to be content to live for yourself. And so I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine those people next to you. I want you to think of those people in your life that need Jesus. God, I'm praying right now for boldness. I'm praying for power. God, I'm praying for the ability to be patient, to slow down and listen. I'm praying, God, we're praying that these people in our lives would know that they matter. That they would know that you love them. That they would know that we love them. God, send us to broken people, God. Send us to messed up people, God. Because that was us. And save them, God. Rescue them, God. We join our heart with your heart, God. You love them more than we do, God. God, I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for miracles. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for deliverance. God, we pray collectively for revival in the Twin Cities. We pray for the unleashing of the third great awakening, God. We are dispensable for your glory, God. say it again I'd like you to join Lynn and me Thursday night to do the prayer walk from North Central to First Baptist in Minneapolis you know there are going to be other churches I'd like you to pray that God will deal with the hearts of as many pastors in this city as he can reach to join this prayer walk wouldn't it be wonderful to see tens, twenties, thirties, forties, fifty thousand people come together in our cities? Instead of people rioting and looting, seeing people coming together to pray <clears throat> the power of God down on Minneapolis. So join Lynn and me, please, on Thursday to go downtown. If you'd like to ride a bus, call our office. Tomorrow or Tuesday, let us know that you would be interested in however many places on a bus so we can provide as much transportation as we seem to need. If you don't need the bus but you're still going, we'd like to know that too, to know how many to expect from this, this part of the body of Christ. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be in concert with the larger body as opposed to simply acting as a single church.